Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. This is Unsolved Mystery. Good to be with you again this week. What a week. Those of you who've been following along, R.A. from uh, Spit and Chicklets is in town. And we've been... uh, We've been taking uh, advantage of his vacation opportunity. Although, it's still working. The boys recorded yesterday. Mm. But, uh, great time. We went, I took him right off the plane. Uh, well, Senior took him around Senor. Took him around St. John's. Then he only got in an accident through an intersection. <clears throat> I love uh, Only got half the story, though, because Senior kept going in a different direction. The other day, we were sitting at dinner, and they told me the story, but it's still foggy in my head. It wasn't explained very well, so I'm going to have R.A. on my podcast soon. And uh, he'll tell us all about it. Apparently, it was a wild afternoon he had with Senor. Um, and then we went, uh, yeah, we I, I took him down zip lining, North Atlantic zip lines. Uh, good friend of mine, Robbie Carter, started it. I What I... I th- in, in my head was five or six years ago, but I, I guess it was 10 or 12 years, 12 years ago, I think they said. 
So that's been on the go, and it's apparently the longest zip line the track in North America, like all together. Uh, if not, and those are going up by the minute, so it was anyway, I'm not sure, but still is. And in any case, North Atlantic zip lines here in St. John, well, it's in Petty Harbor outside of St. John's, just, just beautiful. I uh, highly recommend it, highly. I, I, It's one of the top things, well, it's the first thing that I thought to take RA, uh, first place I thought to take him off the plane. First of all, it's a great view. Okay, so you're doing zip lines. These particular ones start, so you, you you sign up in Petty Harbor there down by the water. Nice little harbor. It's probably the, I always say, Petty Harbor and the place called Kitty Vitty, which are both, Kitty Vitty's pretty much in St. John's, but uh, Petty Harbor's probably 10, 12 minutes outside. But they're like old school Newfoundland fishing communities that are, they still have that feel. Uh, not everywhere does, uh, but they, they still have that old Newfoundland, especially Petty Harbor. Uh, Kitty Vitty's been built up a bit. You got uh, Kitty Vitty Brewery, which is beautiful. And uh, you've got a few new uh, houses and stuff, but but they're it still has got its old flavor for sure. It's a little bit commercialized, but what's not nowadays? Mallard Cottage is down there, right? Which has been the same building for like, I think Mallard Cottage was back. Great restaurant. goes back to like early 1800s. Or, I could be wrong there. I know it's real old though. And that's still in the same building and everything. So it's got that feel. I just mean, but there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of tourists. Like there should be. Um, like there should be. So nothing stays the same. If I learned anything in school and life, things are forever changing. But uh, those two places have the, in my mind, the old school Newfoundland flavor, that vernacular, whatever you want to call it, that, that part of the culture. They have, Well, put it this way. You're going to shoot a movie and make it about a Newfoundland outport. You go to either one of these places. St. John's has a pretty downtown, old Definitely a European flavor, but you don't get the fishing village feel. Hmm. Anyway, so you go out to Petty Harbor, and you uh, you take a bus halfway up a mountain, and uh, <clears throat> a mountain of sorts, like Banff or something, or these huge Rocky Mountains. But I believe the mountains in Newfoundland, which are mostly out west, there are high hills in here. Petty Harbor is beautiful. But they're part of the Appalachian Mountains. I'm not sure that these ones are, but the ones in the west coast of Newfoundland, which would stand the reason you'd think these would probably be part of it. But uh, Newfoundland has a lot of hills, not really a lot of mountainous area. But although, yes, Cornerbrook, up to the uh, St. Anthony, an area there are, Fjords, mountains, and beautiful scenery. Uh, and anyway, Petty Harbor has, has that feel to it as well. It's beautiful. Some real high hills, put it that way, um, or low mountains, whatever way you want to put it. But you take the, you take a bus halfway up, or, or at least that, probably three-quarters of the way up, and then, you know, you do some walking. It's actually a bit of a hike. Um, 
and you end up at the very top of this course, right? So I think it's 10 zips. Uh, it's either 10 or 12. You know what I mean? So anybody who's been ziplining, a lot of time it's either one or two. I just went in Montreal. It was one zip straight across. It was awesome, right? But for this one, you got, you know, you got to pack a lunch for this. Like you're up there for a couple of hours, right? It's beautiful though because when you get up top, you look over and you're seeing a bunch of ponds and lakes. And then you see, you know, you're... Uh, you can see all angles there of the coast of the, you know, the shoreline. So you see the Atlantic Ocean. You're looking over Cape Spear as the furthest easterly point in North America. You can see that. You can see Signal Hill off in the distance and, you know, a little bit of St. John's. It's it's beautiful up there. And so just, j just the hike is breathtaking. And then, you know, you do a series of zips and the first couple are, uh, first one's a little bit of a training wheels. And then the second one, you kind of know you're, I'm going to guess a hundred feet up and, uh, and it's long. Um, one of the zips is a kilometer long, right? A kilometer. And you're, so you're, again, I had not much to compare it with. I've gone maybe five or six places. And the two nicest I've been are but it both in Newfoundland. Marble Zip Tours is awesome out west in Cornerbrook as well. Both are have multiple tracks, so to speak. But uh, the one in Marble kind of comes down, kind of zigzags over a river, which is a waterfall at that point, which is beautiful in, this, in its own right. This Marble or this North Atlantic is also beautiful, but it's more, it's a little bit longer and which just makes for great scenery, man, because you're, you're you're so high up and you can see all that. You know, Petty Harbor's a beautiful spot too, right? So, uh, and there's often, I've been up to Marble or North Atlantic now, probably, oh God, over the years, I don't know, at, at, at least half a dozen times. And three of them, at least, I saw moose, right? So there's, there's that too, and, and there's a lot of moose in Newfoundland, but in and around St. John's, you won't see them a lot. But Petty Harbor is just far enough away, and uh, that you know, there's a lot of forest and a lot of places that uh, any uh, moose that are down around the south coast, southern shore area, you know, which there are a lot, because it's not quite the city, you know, so you're you're not quite in the city yet, so there's more wildlife. Uh, bald eagles. We saw a bald eagle the one time we were up there. Anyway, it's just gorgeous. So thanks to Robbie Carter um, for putting off a, a great show for us. Uh, was, I forget everybody's name, but uh, you know they need people. So there's there's probably half a dozen workers there that are uh, bringing you down the mountain. So it's. And, you know, you can get snacks, like the awesome little patio. And uh, so I highly recommend that. And if, if you ever are to venture out to Petty Harbor and, and do that tour and you want to get a bite to eat, you're actually generally hungry. There's a nice little spot there called Chafe's Landing. Uh, they don't sponsor the show or anything. I, I've just eaten there before. I've never met them. I don't know who they are, but I figure I'll say that because it is a real cool spot. It's I, I like to get fish and chips there. Really, really, I love to get fish and chips or anything fish in these little communities. I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> it, it would stand to reason, but uh, 
you know, they serve a lot of stuff. But it's not like everything on the menu has to do with fish, but, you know, it's freshly cod. I love the cod bites, too. Probably go with that a lot. But anyway, it was uh, just awesome. So then, um, so thanks to everybody involved. The people from Petty Harbor were uh, were uh, real nice too and inviting. They came down, and some of them recognized RA, and they came down to get a picture. And uh, I think I, I, I promised you so there was a Shorzy fan there. Oh God, and I can't remember, but I can't remember your name. I'm really sorry about that. We got a picture, uh, and I know I'd say it. Shoot me a DM, will you? <laughs> um, or uh, I know you listen to this podcast and uh, I'll probably see you I'm talking to a, a gentleman that came out afterwards got a picture with me in RA and I promised I would I would give him and his buddies a shout out I don't remember I don't remember the name of your team but you know where I skate you know what time of week because that came up in the conversation and uh, why don't you show up at the rink uh, twin rinks on Friday, uh, at the time I told you when we skate, and uh, I'll bring some eight by tens or or whatever it is. <clears throat> I still got some hockey cards, so what I do, I just blow them up. Uh, I go up to Staples, blow them up, get them laminated, and then uh, have something to uh, to give to the kids that out of their way to come to the rink because it happens we we have a skate in town a really it's great like it's there's always a few skates going on but the boys that go that go to major junior most of those guys are gone now but you know over the course of the last four or five months Right when hockey's ending, you know, when the people start coming back, they want to skate somewhere. I mean, I used to have to leave for the whole summer because I don't remember anywhere the ice being on all summer. But now there's a few places that the ice stays on. And so we, uh, you know, it starts then. The senior year ends. I mean, seniors are high level at at this point anyway. It's all guys who have been there. But when, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, when I say we skate, I mean, it's during the day. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There is a skate during the day and on four of those days at least it's it's a lot of the same guys so you get you know the college guys that come back uh, and by the way good luck alex power i believe university of connecticut am i wrong we had a few talks on the bench i know you're down around there anyway good luck i forgot to say that before you left and i didn't realize you were leaving so early great kid alex power got a really powerful stride um Anyway, a lot of those guys, right? Maddie McKim and, and uh, Kyle McGraw. God, I can go on. Zach O'Brien, Marcus Power from the Growlers, James Melindy. The boys come out when, uh, as soon as their season's done, really. Cody, Connor, Donahue. A lot of fantastic players. Brett Budge, Budgel just signed with Toronto. Um, a lot of great Newfoundland players. Newhook, Alex Newhook actually skates when he's back with us. He comes back for a sizable portion of time. And, uh, you know, a lot of prospects that are going away, a lot of major junior guys. And, and there's a lot at this point. So to get into this skate, uh, and most that we have, especially the Tuesday and Thursdays during the week, you know, you've got to really be able to hang and skate. Like it's, it, 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 
you know, your cardio is, other than hitting, there's no faster skate around, or, or sorry, other than when you're playing like a real level of game, major, junior, I don't know, senior or something, like it's that without the hitting because it's fast, man. We're zipping the puck around. Clark Bishop, Luke Adam, right? Guys that are, are playing or played recently in the NHL. And uh, anyway, there's lots, you know, lots. And if you count all the major junior guys, guys that are playing in junior A, there's, like I said, there's dozens at this point. So it's a high-level skate, man. And that is generally what we've been doing. So now most of the kids are gone. But the guys that go to uh, the East Coast League and AHL tryouts, things like that, of which there are quite a few still. Um, so that's what we've been doing to stay in shape. Now they all go and uh, they all train. Like I said, my good buddy I'm going to have on here soon, Ryan Power, runs Power Conditioning. A lot of people were asking because I think I put a few things on my Instagram story about my friends Maggie Connors and Alex Newhook. And congrats to Maggie, by the way. Maggie Connors was a guest on this program way back, I think like you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago when I first started. And she was on her way up with Princeton. Well, Maggie has a year left and just played for Team Canada, like the Women's Team Canada Developmental Squad. And I know she played real well. She had a goal in one of the games. So much Canada stuff going on lately. The World Junior, what a win. I mean, phenomenal. Uh, the way that the World Juniors won it. But because that was happening under the radar, the, the female were, females were playing. And Maggie scored a couple of sensational goals and got some great press was our only representative from Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, it's it that, that was just like Saturday, just a few days ago, she had a big goal. And anyway, she was at O'Reilly's at Alex Newhook's cup party, which I'll get to. That's what I meant to lead off with. And uh, it was great to see her. And she had a few friends there. Now, Maggie, I if you're listening and your friends want, I... Uh, Remember we were talking, I don't know when they're going back. I know you, you listen to this podcast sometimes, but whenever, by the way, we were chatting, everybody was, it was euphoria the other night, man. The Stanley Cup was there with us. We were listening to Shani Ganuck. We're in a packed bar, having a lot of fun. So, it, it, and it was loud. But to Maggie and her friends, listen, if you ever want to see Seniors Basement and check it out, um, and would love to have an item, actually, I would love to have a stick or a jersey, it would mean a lot. And uh, anyway, it was it, it was a it was a great time. Good luck in your last year at Princeton, and everything that comes with Canada and their female hockey program. You continue to break break down barriers with your leadership and courage and. Humility. Maggie's a really nice person. You know, no wonder. Who'd have thunk it, right? Alex is a really nice person. They work out. Um, they're hard workers. They're determined. They're focused. I could go deeper, but Alex's sister, Abby Newhook, same thing. Great hockey player. And they work hard. 
There's a lot of fantastic uh, trainers in town. Bobber Thompson, top-notch as well. Uh, Ryan Power. Andrew McKim has a, has a program there with uh, Andrew and Randy Piercy. And I could go on and on. I don't want to leave anybody out. But, uh, you know, I do some hockey schools with Wally Bray and whatnot. But these guys go hard off the ice, like, you know, and, and it's conditioning. It's high level. And I, with my own eyes, I had to do it. I had to train in the summers. And even though people laugh at the 90s, I know there wasn't a lot of, you know, the, the, the technology got a lot better and the skill sets and all that. But we had to train. I don't know. My dad's there no. They, they basically used camp to train. But for us, um, no, like we had to go. We had, I, like I said, I went to Cape Cod. I went to Sweden every year. Those weren't just. I wasn't lollygagging. They gave us money to go and, and train at these places. We had to check in. It wasn't as specific. Um, hi, Penny Lane. Okay, I'll come back. I'll come in. Um, it's Penny Lane there. <clears throat> Apparently, we have a sick kitty, so I have to press pause. But uh, anyway, what was I talking about, Penny Lane? Now I forget what I was talking about. Um, oh, the condition. Oh, the conditioning. Yeah, we had to do a lot of it. It was. It wasn't as specific, though, right? Like I remember, my complaint was like, "Why am I doing the same program that Saku Koivu is?" Like, I, I mean, I know you want me to get faster, and that makes sense. I'll do the same quick feet stuff, but like as far as working out and building up and everything, and you know what I mean? Like it was a lot of that. Like we had to do it. But the team would follow a workout routine. And now it would be specific to every player. I mean, that changed 15 years ago. But you know what I mean? But we didn't get, like, we had to go. Now, we didn't all go, say, even, like like I said to people, we didn't do the NHL combine. But we did all that on our own. Like, we, we I had to do that. Like, I had to go to Halifax, actually, go in and do the Wingate test. I had to do... Well, the VO2 max, and then, you know, how much can you bench? How many, you know, you could go through the whole gamut of physical testing. There was reflex stuff. The same stuff as they do. The same. Except we didn't go all to one place. We got our results recorded, and whoever did, like, at various places, and then they would send them in. And when we got to camp, we always had to go early, and, you know, there was a lot more fights and everything, but... Same shit, man. We had to get physical tested. And um, uh, to be honest, my first camp blindsided me a bit. I always had good VO2. I could, I, VO2 means, I, I don't really know what it means, but it's something to do with the amount of oxygen in your blood. So I, I guess theoretically you would be, as you work harder, you know, your body's, you know what? I'm not a doctor, and the answer is right in front of me. I don't want to be ignorant, so I'm going to press pause and just explain exactly what it is. VO2 max, I'm reading this off the net on one of these sites. VO2 max is the maximum rate of oxygen consumption measured during incremental exercise. That is exercise of increasing intensity. So, yeah, so you're on a bike, and it gets harder and harder and harder, right? So, I guess, and you put the mask on, and you know, it measures the rate of oxygen consumption as you get work harder and harder. 
So it's not necessarily how long you go, um, even though that really tells you something. But you might go 12 minutes and get, say, a 59, and someone go 10 and a half minutes and get a 62. It's weird that way, which basically just means, in my mind, maybe I'm wrong, correct me if I am, that if the guy who went 20 or 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes, probably could have gone longer if he had a better better score. But I remember doing those things, the VO2 man, and another one called the Wingate, and going like till I could see, I, I was seeing spots, like, you know, I push my body the absolute limit every time, and a lot of people do. I mean, you're at camp. I, I would assume most people do, but I don't think everybody goes like right to the limit, but any hockey players listening know what I'm talking about. It's fucking hell. But you guys and girls that do the test that know the way the scores go, so I naturally would get in the 60s. If I really worked at it, I, I would get up like high 60s. And that's like, I've, I've checked it out before. That's real, real good. So, and funny that you would think if it's that good, I would like be decent at jogging on the side of the street. I fucking hate it. I hate it. I run a lot because I play ball hockey and whatnot. If, if there's no ball hockey, I'll play basketball or, or soccer. I mean, I always played soccer, but I'm not like a basketball player, but I'll do it because it's just a mental set. I, I fucking hate running on the side of the street. But anyway, um, yeah, we would have to. So I remember that. I remember like starting to learn about, because we didn't really have to do much of it in junior. We had a weight room. I didn't really use it much. I knew how to do bench press, maybe shoulder press thinking that we would get stronger because we would use it once every two weeks and watch TV in there. Like, really, I didn't use the Tri-City weight room much. Now I think you'd be at it. It'd be part of the team activities. But anyway, so I learned about my body when I was hitting pro, which is kind of awkward when you're playing against guys like Donald Brashear and them who've, I remember that man, like, whoa, he was a tank. And uh, Brashear was real tough. People forget he had 30 goals in Fredericton. The American Hockey League, Don Brashear had 30 goals, man. That's not easy to do. It's way above goon status. The guy could play. I'm telling you, yes, a lot of those goals were scored because he was so strong, but you don't get 30 goals in the American Hockey League, man. If you just, if you're a thug, you you don't. Sorry. Okay. Now I know. Not, not a racial thing. I, I use the word thug and brash and thug. Please don't connect those dots. I don't want to get fucking emails. Um, I'm saying. A lot of people call hockey players, meat and potatoes players that, uh, well, and especially goons, a lot of people, you know, they would call Ty Domi a thug. They would call Tony Twist a thug. So I meant nothing by it. But you know what I'm saying? Brash could fucking play. He was not just your typical fucking goon. And he was ripped. Fucking ripped. I remember seeing him walk out of the shower at my first, I believe, my first camp. And I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, "What? why am I even here in this league? I need to go back to junior and do nothing but work out for five years. Holy fuck. Man. And don't get me wrong. I went to Habs camp. That was 95. Right? They won the cup in 93. Right? The next year, Shane Corson came in. Right? I was there with, I've got Chris Murray. Lyle Odeline, like the Mike Keen, these guys weren't fucking cut like a bag of milk. 
People think because it was in the past that was the case. No, man. You still had a fucking clue about you. Like, you knew working out made you better. It was just not as specific. And I didn't do as many, like, jumps and stuff. Now, I find, I mean, now I, you know, I mean, I fucking hate doing it, but I, uh, I got it. I go to the gym, but it's more jumps and stuff, right? Like, plyometrics came in and I just went, I, I used to hate doing the squats with the weights. It hurt my knees when I was fucking 15, man. It's no wonder it still hurts, but you know, the jumping then, you know, as time went on, I get to Montreal and that's what that taught me, right? Stefan Dubé, I believe was his name. I don't know where the hell he is now. He was the trainers. He was the exercise trainer for the Montreal Canadians at the time. And he would, uh, He'd work with us. I mean, for for the time, he was good, and and he did. Do, I mean, I I remember they wanted me to put on. I hated that too, but they wanted me to be two fifteen, and I feel good at like one ninety one ninety five. Again, in my mind, I'm I'm thinking score first, right? But the guys who drafted me all got fired, and the people who came in appreciated my work along the boards and 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 toughness, if you will, or at least willing to to go. It's toughness is the word, but. And they saw that as an asset because they, I mean, they told me they wouldn't have drafted me as a scorer. So I was in kind of a, in a weird limbo. You know, I, I was like, okay, it's not like they hate me here. They were nice. Like I said, they were nice. Other than Michelle Terrian, I fucking hated. But he was my coach in the minors. Terrian really, other than that, he wasn't staring the ship. Right. And I did have 21 goals under him and 250 minutes. So I succeeded under Terrian. I just hated him. Right? All water under the bridge. I'm just saying that that's the case. So, and the people in Montreal were nice to me. Reggie Hull was nice to me. Alan Vigneault was nice to me. Um, I was like a kid in a candy store with Yvonne Cormier and Steve Schutt, Jacques LaPerriere. These are the assistant coaches. Are you kidding me? It was like story time every day. I, I enjoyed it. But other than Shuddy, maybe Cormier a little bit, but Shuddy, I remember really, really hoping that I got in the lineup. I, th I think he wish that I got a bit better of a chance, but and you know, the other guys, they were great to me. They just saw me, I think as at best a third liner that would muck it up. And at worst, a guy who could fight a lot of middleweights and, and fight the heavyweights and pull off the odd draw, right? They kind of saw me like that. So they wanted me at two fifteen. That's a huge swing, right? I like one ninety five. They like 215. So anyway, I'm I'm going down a bunch of rabbit holes here. But for those that were curious, you know, when you're a young player, like 2021, 20, and you're talking about changing your whole body makeup, it was just a weird time. Weird time. Uh, but the more which each pound I put on, I, I I could I was less mobile. I didn't like it. I'm always out there. I know I might talk a big game and, and, and chirp the odd player, but really that's all to get room and everything. My first thought is how am I going to get this puck into the net? And that's the truth. How am I going to take this and put it in there? I don't even, when I'm hitting, I don't even think to go and hammer guy. When I'm hitting someone, it's really to get them away from the puck or to separate the puck so I can get it. That's my instinct. Uh, the rest of the stuff you learn from 
trial and error playing in the Western League, the American League. How do I get room? I quickly realized that if I do stick somebody and I do chirp and I do fight, I'll get more room. And by the end of the year, an extra second or two in front of the net five or six times a game, at least, probably more, turns into minutes and probably hours that I spend in front of the net that you don't. And that means that all those rebounds are going to be there and all those tips, most I'm going to miss. But over an 80-game schedule, or what was it in junior, 72 games, I'm going to score 18 to 20 more goals than you are just because I'm there. Six of them might hit me and bounce in. I don't even know where they are. But I'm going to go there. Right? And I learned that because my talent, you know, when I first left, that didn't carry me. You would, I talk about it that way and everything. And sometimes when I say I was a 14-year-old and then I led my junior A team in scoring, people take that peewee player the year before and then, like, fast forward over and say, oh, and then he won the scoring in junior. Now, the first 10 games, I think I had one assist. And... uh it was bad. I wasn't doing well. When I say I got in that fight with the hot sauce and everything and I scored, that was in exhibition. And that goal was lucky. I did score though my first exhibition, but it was fucking lucky. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't comfortable at all. And then I learned from guys in junior A like Chris Spencer, uh, Dave Standing. I learned from them, Ryan Marsh. And Sheldon Surrey and then me, Marsh, and Surrey go to Tri-Cities together. Now I'm realizing, oh, and then I'm playing on Team Pacific, seeing that some of our best players, Jerome McGinley, Kyle McLaren, Byron Ritchie, like some of our best players are pretty physical. And it's the same thing with them. I, I said them because I remember talking to them on the team. We all played for Team Canada Pacific in uh, under 17, 18, was it? <laughs> under 18. Um. And, you know, because they weren't naturally out there to hurt anybody, but they adapted well physically to the game. Byron Ritchie wasn't big, but he but he really used his body well. Again, well, you know that. Kyle McLaren, I don't believe his instincts were physical at all, but he was a tall, lanky defenseman, and when he hit, it hurt. And he could separate you. You know, he, you didn't really want to go down his side. So he did a lot without doing it. He just took up space, which is important in a game of inches, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, that stuff came in time you learn and not everybody wants to do it. That's why people don't play anymore, right? It's not always the best players, man. It's, you, you gotta, there's so much that goes into it. You gotta have good billets. You gotta not want, you know, a lot of people go home cause they miss their girlfriend. A lot of people go home cause they, cause they want to, cause they, they're like, you know, I, I don't want to ride the bus anymore. A lot of people, yeah, that's fine. I can find something else to do. I don't want to go in front of the net. I, I agree with you, Terry. I will get a lot more goals if I go in front like that, but I don't like doing it. It's not good. And I got a business at home, and I want to be, and that's fair. I would never put those guys down. Sometimes it does seem crazy. But I'm just saying from my approach, how I looked at the game of hockey, is that how am I going to maximize my potential? I knew I wasn't a great skater. I still put myself up there at that era with fuck I mean I went eighth I'm not trying to be cocky but a lot of people offensively game was a bit different now 
Hands weren't as quick as the sticks. Not everybody was toe dragging. But, you know, I, I don't know. The players in the West voted. I mean, we used to have votes, right? It was always up there in passing and skill. Like, we would vote. I mean, each player in the league would vote on, like, it was called the best of the West, and it was, like, toughest player, most improved player, best passer, all those things. And, you know, it was always up there. I think people respected my offensive abilities, but never skater. I, I'm not a great skater, nor was I. It was always my worst attribute, and I really had to work on it. So that's what I'm saying about maximize my potential. If I'm out there against, in junior, against Patrick Murray, I mean, Damon Lankow was on my line. He was flawless. But I knew how to get to areas ahead of time, maybe, right? And Or I learned it. I'm playing against Marlo or I, Peter Schaefer. There was a lot. Nat Tom to Kelly Kamloops was a bullet. But I knew I wasn't as fast, but you figure out. There's a great example, Tom to Kelly. He was a fucking bullet. He probably got 40 goals anyway. I don't think he went to the hard areas like I did. So I'd have to make that up on him, right? Ryan Smith is a year older than me, a guy I really looked up to. Um, he He did the same. He maximized his time and space out there because he wasn't a great skater. But uh, again, I'm not putting him or myself down. I just know the way it works. And when I see in the game through those eyes, you got to get out there and figure out, you got to have these, you just got to know your own body. You got to know your own limitations. You got to know your, 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 uh, your potential. You, you've got to, you know, each player sees the game differently and you got to embrace that and, Okay, so now what am I going to do? Anyway, I'm going too far into it. But that's that was my approach. And I found that the guys I was fighting, I think a lot of it, fighting is a lot about balance. I think the Canadians thought because of that I needed to get bigger. But I know it because I know my body and I know doing it. That my legs now always worked out on my legs. Always. Plyometrics and everything was why, you know, I said I didn't like squats. But like I'm playing soccer, which is I'm always running, jumping. My legs, genetically, they were pretty big. So what I'm saying is that and balance, I think, is the biggest thing when you're hockey fighting. Because if I can take a punch, and I and I, you know, when there's there's a there's a talent to it. I mean, I you know I was looking at guys like Darren Langdon and. I don't know, PJ Stock, peers of mine that I knew that, you know, that that would succeed in, in that, you know, as fighters. What are they what are they doing that everybody else did? And and plus, it's trial and error, man. You're a junior. I was fighting fucking 25 times a year. Now, a lot of times, not expected to win. Not like, not like pro. But I remember fighting Belak and, you know, you'll learn when these tough guys are, punching your square in the face you, you'll learn quickly how to at least not get killed you know I, I don't think i ever learned how to beat players bad but i learned how to not lose and when you're fighting when you're an underdog you know like when i fought belak all i got to do is not lose or not get pumped and it's a bit of a moral victory for us that's why i didn't mind fighting domi and cam russell and those guys but the fight, if you go to YouTube, the fight I fight Cam Russell, that was pretty even. But in my mind, I, I definitely got our team momentum there because I'm not expected to beat Cam Russell. So if we have an even fight and the place is going mad, it was a home game, people appreciated it, that can't possibly do something. That can't give our team bad energy. Now, if he drops me with one punch, you know, you better 
we love your balls, kid, but you know, you're not helping us out there. But that was me. I'd, I'd like to fight guys that I knew were a bit tougher and just kind of hang in. Um, low expectations, right? I, 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 that that was kind of where I was coming at it from. And if I could just hang in there with them, and I found it was my leg strength and balance that would do it. I, I thought a slighter upper body actually made me quicker, and I liked that. But all of a sudden, A, you put on weight, and, and then I, I remember like going up closely to 215. Well, I think I hit it, right? So I'm like, here, this is what you guys wanted. But then you're expected. I'm like, now I don't like it either because I'm expected to beat these guys. And I didn't like that mindset. I didn't want to be, okay, AT, you're up. Go out and fight Dan Cordick. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. I was better with the mindset. You know what? I'm on the ice. I'm playing. And fuck it, I'm a middleweight. I'll fight Dan Cordick. But I don't want to. Once I'm expected to actually beat Dan Cordick, I'm in the wrong game. I'm going to get my fucking head knocked off at some point. I'm not that guy. I was never comfortable being that guy. It's the same mindset I said about taking uh, money. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. If I was a big star in the show, I would always take a little bit less because I don't like the expectation to be way up, and you know, like <clears throat> I, I guess I can't say. But depending on the cap, um, I, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Actually, I'm going to get to that in a minute, and I've talked a lot about myself here. And I apologize for going on that rant, but a lot of you are curious. And I know I see some questions coming in, and without getting specific, I know that answered a few of your questions. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on college football, and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. I got to say this before I get on to anything else. Alex Newhook, what a gentleman. Now, listen, I know Alex and he's a buddy and everything, but it's not like, you know, he's fucking 22. Is he like starting his NHL career? Mine ended a long time ago. We're from two different fucking eras. But so when I say he's my friend, you know, it's not like I hang out with Alex every day. Over the years, of course, we've we've had... Lots of conversations at the rink. Uh, played shinny. Um, you know, a summer doesn't go by. I usually don't see Alex in some capacity. Um, a couple of beers on a patio with uh, with a bite or whatever it might be, right? I mean, you're playing hockey. St. John's is I don't know, big enough, 250,000, but, it, but it's small enough. You run into these guys. So um, Alex is great, but, you know, 
I couldn't really just speak for. I mean, I could. I know him. I'm, I'm not saying speak for his character. Look, I knew he was a good kid. I knew that. But you know what this guy did, man? He had that cup everywhere. Like he had the cup. Uh, what was it? Wednesday, Monday. And all day, man, he got up. He had his buddies over. You can document his day. I don't know. He had it on his Instagram. I'm sure a lot of you did. But, you know, he's trying to keep up with it on, on his Instagram and stuff. But I watched it firsthand, man. He had the parade. He smiled and signed autographs and took pictures all fucking day. I mean, in the morning, then the parade, and then on the patio, then Shamrock City, and then O'Reilly's. And he couldn't sit there and enjoy it with his buddies. He, he was on all day. It was his. And, you know, it's supposed to be, quote, unquote, his day. But he sat there all fucking day. And it was midnight. And I went in. Uh, yeah, around around midnight. And he was still doing it in O'Reilly's. And I felt bad being in one of the sheep. I went up though and got my because I'm I I'm I'm like, man, it's all day long. But what are you gonna do, right? People want that that picture, and unless you, you pose for it with them, I guess they're not gonna have it. And so he understood what everybody wanted there. Feel bad being one of them at the end, but thank you, Alex. It was great. I got up and why not? I got my picture taken. And uh, I feel kind of hypocritical is not the word. I was never going to take a sip out of the cup. I've seen it before because I don't know. I feel as a player, I didn't get to achieve that and keep it special. And and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm glad I got to play in the NHL, but I didn't win the cup. We can leave it there. Alex did. But anyway, he was nice enough. He tipped it up and said, have a sip tea. You deserve it as much as anybody. And thanks for... Everything. I mean, I, we've, I've had him on my, I, I, you know, I've supported Alex without getting into it. And uh, he said, thanks for that. I mentioned him on here a few times. Have a sip out of the cup. And then he took a picture with me and must have been his, and I'm not joking here. It must have been about at least his 3000th that day. And uh, he smiled as if it was his first. Absolute class act. It was one of the best days downtown in St. John's in a long time. The parade, it was packed. You wouldn't know, but it was an actual Stanley Cup parade. George Street was packed like it was George Street Festival. Um, it gives me goosebumps to see someone from here that just knowing how hard it is to go away. And I identify with Alex a lot too, man, with the expectations and with leaving at 14. It's not easy to do, to leave your home and your family when you, when you live on an island and you're close with everybody, family and friends, and you leave, you leave, right? I've said to everybody, I always do. You're a Newfoundland hockey player, it's different. You leave, you fucking leave. You're not, for the most part, even coming home at Christmas. You're away, and you might, you might come home at Christmas for three days, and you're back again at the end of the year. You know, you're not driving home on the weekend to say hi to your parents, or they're not coming to see you play when you play in Belleville. It's not like that. You're, <clears throat> it's like you're, there's a disconnect and it's hard to do, especially when you got those expectations and the whole time you're hearing shit from, you're hearing noise, man. You're hearing noise from people. And, uh, so I don't know what it's like to win a Stanley cup, but I know what it's like to leave early and try to follow through to your dream. And Alex did that. And, uh, a lot of his teammates and friends from over the years were there. And, uh, honestly, if I talk about it anymore, I'm going to get goosebumps and it brings tears to my eyes, honestly. To see such a great representative of Newfoundland, because I mean, you know, he could be a dick if he won the cup, he'd still bring it here. 
you'd still have it here, but uh, he shared it with everybody. He's a real nice person. He had myself, my father, R.A. from Chicklets, and a bunch of friends. He got us in and uh, gave us tickets to the big day. So thank you very much, Alex. It was fucking unreal. And uh, it's something that I'll never forget. Although, isn't that saying ridiculous? I'll never forget it. And, and when people say it, I don't even know what they're meaning, but I just said it. Uh, you know, well, it was great to win this championship. For example, you, you know, someone just wins like the Stanley Cup or I don't know, the fucking MLB, whatever it is, athlete. And then you just get an Oscar. Right, get on stage, accept the Oscar. You know, this is truly something I'll never forget. How the fuck could you forget it? How could you forget it? You just won an Oscar. Like, how could you forget it? You just won a championship. You're not going to forget it. What do you mean? We're going to be asking about your whole life. Like, all of a sudden, does Gordy Howe get to be like 83 and go, "Oh yeah, fuck, man, thanks for reminding me. I won the Stanley Cup." Like, <laughs> of course you're never going to fucking forget it. So obviously, I'm not going to forget like drinking out of the Stanley Cup. I'd be an idiot, or I mean, I could, I guess, get Alzheimer's. any number of medical conditions, and then I'm not qualified to say I won't forget it anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I won't forget. But outside of that, it was just truly, genuinely, and with IRA visiting, who's a real good friend, and, you know, really helped me with the whole Chicklets fucking universe, helped me with my pod and everything. It just seemed like perfect timing. And uh, my dad doesn't even, we. you might see this shit on spitting Chicklets. We love to have beers, but it's once a week and it's in his place on Fridays that that he drinks. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're there with them. But a lot of times we have one in Bolt go downtown. But uh, it's been great. But I tell you, the hangs, man. Well, I'm used to, like, you would never say it watching chicklets and whatnot. But I'm used to, uh, you know, drinking one day a week, you know, like doing my work and then picking Friday or Saturday, usually Friday because of senior. But I love, I got to say, I love starting early Saturday brunch. Friday has a feel. It's a relieved feel, like fuck the week's over. Again, I'm not working the normal nine to five hours. I'm usually doing something on the film set. And and Friday, we often have Friday and Saturday off. So that's that's the weekend for the shows I work on. It's Friday, Saturday, not Saturday, Sunday. So uh but in a normal world, you know, because yeah, it's still, that's only my vibe. I'm seeing the, the regular vibe. So I treat it Friday and Saturday like everybody else does. And on Friday, you know, it's a bit of relief, like Friday happy hours, like fucking rights. Everybody's happy to get let off some steam. And that, but that's like five, six o'clock because most people have to work at that time. But Saturday has a different feel. It's an earlier. And I'm not, again, contrary to popular belief, because you might see me at a club or late at night singing on stage or whatever. That's that's circumstance. I ideally like to get buzzed on a day boil. I like going down and seeing the live music in the afternoon. Uh, like, it's not unlike me to start at noon. Always two to th- two or three o'clock, right? I'll start with some brunch and uh, beer and Clamato, red eyes, if you will. I call them red eyes. I think that's what they're called. That's what I do. And then, uh, you know, I usually get on. And I usually do that by myself. I enjoy that. And I pick up my phone after a beer, after a pint or two, and make a few buddies, text them, and say, hey, come meet me. And then next weekend, do the same thing. I like doing that. 
So I never know where the night's going to go that way. But usually my meal and my drink is at Greensleeves, and I just go from there. And I tour downtown St. John's, man. And I like going into these places. Uh, Water Street's the oldest city in North, oldest street in North America, one of them. We argue the oldest in George Street and Duckworth Street. The downtown St. John's has a real European feel. I love a lot of the nooks and crannies and bars, and I like going in there and having experiencing it on my own. And someone asked me recently, you know, I've talked about having a girlfriend and, you know, I was married twice. And I, I don't know if I ever alluded to it. Like, I don't really blame my wives that I broke up with. I mean, we didn't get along. And I, to me, I see it as 50 50 or whatever we moved on. But I don't think I'd be easy to live with. And not from the party point of view, I get frustrated. I need my alone time. And I think I've come to realize that. Whoever, if I ever hook up with a girl again at any level, it's meaningful, which I don't know, man. I'm I'm content with my life now. I I like where it's going. I, I like being able to concentrate on I don't want to be selfish. I've given that a try though. I know how it works. And now I, I like concentrating on my podcast, my Rolling Shorzy, where that's gonna go. Um you know, I do still do some hockey schools and stuff back here. I help with them. I enjoy that. I enjoy uh, public speaking and things. So I'm trying to book some things with that now, whether it's live Q&A or whatever. I, I, I just, I guess the reason is uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm too selfish, but with certain things, with time for sure, I'm too selfish with time to really give any respect and time to another person all, well, not any, but all that time, which leads to disrespect, right? And I can't handle it. When I when I come home from a long day doing whatever, I want to listen to music. And I want to listen to what I want to listen to. I want to go put on my Elvis, uh, Here Comes Elvis album. I want to, uh, you know, I want to uh, toss on PlayStation. I'm playing Guardians of the Galaxy now. And I'm halfway through the campaign. You know, I I know it might sound childish, but that that's what I do. And I, you know, I play... Senior fucking sports, senior hockey still. I still play ball hockey and shit. And a lot of people just have moved on from that 20 years ago, I guess, or that mindset. And I I, I just don't, you know, sorry, hon, I, I can't take you out to dinner. I got ball hockey tonight. And I know that sounds fucking insane. But with everything I'm doing, I just don't have the time, nor do I want it. If I do ever find that certain someone, I will never live with them again. I think that, I've come to realize that might be the biggest problem, at least with me and with a lot of people, I would guess, is that you're living in the same room and you're do, trying to do the same shit. And every night, the best piece you can possibly get is meeting in the middle and picking a show on Netflix that you both like. And you're both probably given a little because she wants to watch Sex in the City and you want to watch fucking Sons of Anarchy or whatever, right? And But you'll meet in the middle at fucking the office or something and then fucking you're supposed to be happy ever after right and then that night gets old and a fucking year down the road you're not fucking anymore you're two great looking people that aren't fucking you're trying to sit there content with the office season eight you zip through everything else you'll both take certain take turns cooking supper because you want to get the fuck out of the other person's face while you're sitting on the couch but if you don't live together yeah I'll see her whenever. And generally probably don't 
generally want to see each other every day, but just for that allotted amount of time. I could definitely dig. There are definitely girls I like. Hey, you're worth a couple hours out of my day for sure. But no, not, 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 no more than that. I'm sorry. You know, that's it. Of course, the odd time more than that, but it would have to be on my terms. And I just don't want to do that. I'm sick of explaining that to people. Yes, I've dated girls. And a lot of them, I don't think, would understand that. But that's uh, where my head's at. And, of course, I have Penny Knight. And that's really the girl that I'm most focused on right now, like I should be. And uh, the girl I'm... I, I would probably dedicate at least the next six or seven years until she's 18 and she can live on her own. I need to be there for her in every capacity and everything that I got going on. Plus having a, an energetic to say the least little daughter where it goes, not that anybody asked, here we are again. I got stuff written down. I didn't get to fucking any of it. Talked about working out. I thanked Alex for 10 seconds. Then I talked about myself working out and, uh, why I'm not compatible with one person in a relationship. Anyway, I often wonder, you know, am I my own therapist? Is that what is that what's going on? Uh, maybe, maybe that's what's going on. I will get to one thing. So talking earlier, remember I said I would tell you about my thoughts because I get a lot of questions. So, so I, I've gone on here and said that I would take less money. And I just said it about 20 minutes ago. So, because I got some emails and, 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 you know, messages from people, even that I see out in the bar, it happens all the time. I love it that more people are, I think at first a lot of people from Newfoundland didn't listen to my podcast, but now, um, now that's not the case a lot too. So I, so when I'm out, I, I hear their questions, which is awesome. Um, it's a, I'd, I'd way rather in, in person and I'm not going to be able to answer my messages soon anyway, because there's too many of them. It's just volume, man. Apologies against everybody, to everybody that I'm not getting back to. But I like I like seeing people in public and talking about it. So, And I, I find more ideas come from that organically. So a lot of people have asked, you know, well, who would you rather, the owners get it? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look, and I hate to keep fucking pointing at the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's an obvious example because three or four guys, three guys get over 10, right? And then you got um, Nylander getting seven i think which is for him i think being being a high player a high paid player although that contract looks better than the other ones but what i'm saying is that yeah i know the owner's going to get a lot of money okay i get that but i'm saying as far as winning like if i played in toronto for example or if there was no salary cap i would want as much as i could possibly get uh or if i really was playing on a team that you know, I was at the end of my career or something and, uh, you know, they had all kinds of money and I was worth X amount of dollars and they wanted, you know, I would get more on the open market. I can't, can't say I won't do it, but I'm saying for the majority of a guy's NHL career, you're in your, you know, in your prime years, like the, these guys say Matthews, Marner, Tavares. Okay. When they signed a few years ago and let's throw Neilander there, but let's just say, actually, no, fuck Neilander. Those three. 
because they all get over 10, right? So I, I don't know. Um, so Matthew's contract's going to come up, right? And I mean, this guy deserves anything. I mean, I, I would knock him. Fucking great for you. You're going to, you're making it more money you signed for is helping people in the future and all that in the union and, you know, all that way. But so like, I don't know. Let's see up in two years. So let's say I'm saying take 13 instead of 14. If you know, if you want to win, if you don't want to win, whatever. But if I played for the Toronto Maple Leafs say, and I murder right then, <clears throat> what did he sign for? 11.1. Right, so that means that they must have been in conversations, and ten point five wasn't enough, or ten. Right, if I'm him, I'm going. I'm signing for nine point nine. It looks good. It doesn't mean there's three players on our team making over ten anymore because that's a big fucking talking point in the media. I'm taking nine point nine. I'm giving a bit of a hometown discount, but I want to win. And for me, now I'm not knocking Mitch Marner. I fucking love watching him play. I'm explaining my point of view. That I'm looking at this, going, okay, we've got a thing going here. We're young. We had a team that might win. Let's take a little bit less. Now, me, because I would pay a million dollars to win a cup in Toronto. Do you know what I mean? Playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs to me and wanting all those people on my side. Maybe it's just having played in Montreal and seeing all that pressure that goes down, especially with someone with expectations on them. It's not always good, right? So I'd rather the vibe be positive every single day of my life. I, w I, I just would. And I, I, I go out there and First game, like making 11 million, which a lot of people thought was more, whatever it is, 11.1. I would start feeling like heat after like two periods if I didn't score. It's just my own mental. So not only would I think I would play better with the fans kind of appreciating that I did that, but I'm in a salary cap era, it just means that we might have a better chance. Now, look at Latang and Malkin. Didn't they just sign with, with Penguins again? So you would have to think that Crosby had something to do with that. Crosby, for all those years, only made 8.7. So it happens. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Boston Bruins. I don't need to go through every player, but a lot of them are slightly underpaid. The reason I'm thinking is because they got like Bergeron or Marchand, one of them went into the room and said, guys, okay, collectively, what do we want to do here? Now the Bruins won the cup. All that nucleus won the cup, and they've been in the final. They've had a generally team to do it for the last decade or so. Uh Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, look at the contracts. I, a lot of them could be getting more. Uh, but, you know, that's all. And I'm not knocking people who do. Whatever. The fucking Leafs lost in this game seven, wasn't it, to Tampa? I mean, they could have made it in the final. Maybe it would work. But I know a lot of people point that finger, and I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. So I'm not saying that I want to give the owners the money, whatever. I just, at some point, you had enough, man. And I would have enough. I guess if you wanted to buy private jets or something, or you were into the business of making, I don't fucking know, an athletic wear or something, maybe you'd want more. Maybe you want to be a CEO of a company and, hey, hats off to you. For me, I know myself, and I've been in that situation. I really didn't. I blew the money on my friends and stuff. Like It wasn't like I was addicted to cars or something. And now I, I do. That happened to me early, and I appreciate But it never... You know, like I could have gone back to Montreal and made way more money. I turned it down to make 50,000 Canadian, right? Montreal had to give me, uh, as my first contract, I think 67.5 US in the minors. So my second had to be at least a 10% raise. So I would have gotten almost 80 American in the minors for sure with Montreal. They offered that to me. I turned it down. 
because I wanted to get out of there, basically. I said, guys, trade me. I'm looking at my buddies, Darcy Tucker, Craig Conroy, Brad Brown, Thomas Vokun. What's going on? Everybody I'm playing, I'm, I got rookie of the year. All those weren't rookies, but you know, it, when I was, but, but yes, somewhere, Matt Higgins, Donald McClain are down there, fucking Asham. I'm like, Jesus, I'm down there, boys, like doing well. So I wanted out. I took 50 Canadian to play here for that year. I was confident in my abilities, but money never came into it. Once I was making enough, I'm like, okay, I'm fine here. I need, you know, I thought the basics in life, I like traveling, but even then my mindset didn't change is what I'm saying. So I know now that I would be one of those guys and that would take just slightly less. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that, but you guys asked, that's the answer. Um, at some point, yeah, the, the owners, they're going to make a lot of money. That's the way it goes, right? Whatever. I can just fucking. But at some point, I don't give a fuck. Because even taxed, I'm getting $5 million a year. And I'm 20-odd years old. I mean, how can I not make that work the rest of my life? Buy a fucking spot. Pay it off. Buy your nicest fucking place you want in Muskoka or Yorkville or wherever. Pay it off. And you're in Toronto as an ex-Maple Leaf. It's not like Johnny Goudreau in Columbus, man. Like, ex-Maple Leafs in Toronto, have you guys been paying attention? There's so many alumni events. You get, you know, you get a lot of money to do those. Thousands per. So you're never, ever going to be hard up if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf in Toronto, ever. Just do appearances. So I just, you know, to me, that extra point whatever of a million, it just doesn't matter. That's the truth. Now, if it's a difference between like two and four, you know, it, it's it's usually that it's that's also. I mean, it's it's all cap space, but it's just not usually as obvious because it's not such a big hit, right? And I don't know if I was in that position. I would probably want to maximize it, but you know, it gets to a point. How much money do I like LeBron? Great that you just signed for LeBron James signs for ninety seven point one million dollars and mo. Highest paid player ever. I don't think that's to be celebrated. But the Lakers need to win. You know, give me some, you know, like the Lakers fucking sucked last year. LeBron's got a billion dollars. Does it matter that extra like two million that made you the highest paid player ever? Does that matter? Or could you fucking throw that at somebody else? Anyway, who am I to say? I just like at some point, you know, oh, okay, I can buy that car. Five times over now instead of three. Okay. Like, what the fuck do I need? Right? Set up my family for the future. But if you can't do that, I'm fucking nine million or 10 million a year. <laughs> anyway, that's mine. Now, do I understand the players doing it? Of oh, fucking course I do. I, I hug them for, for succeeding. I'm happy. Um, it doesn't go through my mind. What a fucking selfish fuck when they don't. I just, it's the other way. I like to see it when people do. Oh, you know what? Nice move. Evgeny Malkin, I'm sure he could have gotten more elsewhere. Ah, you know what? He's made a lot of money. He probably sees it a little bit like I do. It's nice to see that I identify with somebody. That's as far as that goes. I don't hold it against anybody. No, I fucking don't. Um, okay. Wait. Make notes to myself. Let me see if I needed to talk about anything right now because I've got to take off. Uh, oh, last thing. The very last thing. I went to go swimming yesterday here in St. John's. 
at Bowering Park. Bowering Park, a nice pool that's been there. Bowering Park goes back over 100 years. The family donated it to St. John's way back in the day, and it's still beautiful. It's a small version of, I don't know if you're in Vancouver, maybe Stanley Park. Um, and that might be a bit of a stretch. But, it, you know, for, for us, in relative terms, I think you could probably have that conversation. It's a nice big park right in the middle of the city um, with with a pool. And uh, there are different areas. It's, it's worth checking out if you've never done it. But uh, it's nice. And we were on the way in. I took Penny Lane and her two friends. We were meeting a bunch of her friends there. I went to pay, and the guy said, this is free. And I said, why, is it a big day in town? Or, like, is it holiday or something? He said, no. Um, the last two years, there's a bunch of things, that community events and uh, facilities that are open, and, and we run them for free for everybody in town. Uh, and I don't know when that started or when it ends, but that's great. I have It's been a long time since I've gone somewhere and someone says it's free. Unless it's just a, a promotion for that day. But I really went to pay. It's fucking un, unreal setup. The pool is second to none. It's got a slide. It's got a couple of diving boards. Like a big pool in the middle of a really beautiful park. Really great vibe. It's a summer vibe, you know. Far off the height. Like you can't even hear any cars. It's so far away. Beautiful walking paths. Big trees. A little, a little water park of sorts for kids outside the actual pool. Just beautiful. Locker rooms, state of the art. You know, you go in and showers and just all a, an absolute treat to spend an afternoon. And I go to pay. He says, that's that's free. So I know what you're saying out there. The people who are cynical, well, those are taxpayer dollars. So you're paying anyway. Um, and I live in Mount Pearl, which, you know, and I live actually five minutes from Browning Park, but it's just technically the border there. Uh, but. I'll kind of speak for Mount Pearl here, too. You know, we often hear the fucking negative side of politics and the bullshit. And any time that we've got a problem with politicians, uh, it's definitely the most. It's talked about a lot, and those voices can be loud. Well, I think it should be acknowledged when there's something good like that. Someone sat down and brought that up, and whatever, say what you want. A lot of people in St. John's, you know, either love or hate the council, it seems, these days. Same thing in Mount Pearl. But there are a lot of things that they do right, and whoever made that decision or whichever counselor or, or if it was uh, the mayor, if it was – oh, uh, sorry, got distracted. Uh, Danny Breen is the mayor here. Um, and, you know, I know how the process works. And like I said, people will definitely say, well, Terry, you know, it's, that's the very least they could be doing with all the potholes on the streets. That's the least they could be doing with the pedestrian mall sucks. It's not done the way we want it. Or it's the least they could do because all the parking downtown costs too much. I'll probably agree with you the parking downtown costs too much. But look, I think that generally... Generally, the politicians around here, while you don't agree with everything, they're there for, for the most part, the right reasons. They're all approachable. I know a lot of members of the council in St. John's and Mount Pearl and why I don't see eye to eye with all of them. You know, you can sit down and have a conversation. And um, there are some things that not every city has available to them. And I would say one of those things is free swimming at all the public pools all summer. Pretty fucking good. So. 
Shout out to uh, the city of St. John's for, for putting that off. I'm going to take off. I'm going to pick up R.A. We're going out on a boat tour. We're going to hopefully see some whales. Our buddy Chris Ryan is going to play some tunes for us, and we're going to have a fantastic afternoon. You're asking if R.A. is going to be on for sure. Uh, listen, he goes back Friday, and it's just we're so busy while we're here, and he just got off the air. I don't want to disrespect him and have to fucking interview him on his trip here, but he, uh, I'm going to mention to him today. Maybe we'll get him on on Friday or Saturday. Maybe even when he gets back, he leaves Friday, actually. So I think I'll have a guest tomorrow, and I will have R.A. on next week just to sum up the trip. You know, He's over here for a break, and he had to do a couple of podcasts with Chicklets. And I'd like to keep the microphone out of his fucking face for, for the next couple of days. Uh, but I will have him on real soon, likely on Monday, to, uh, to recap. Listen, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're going to head downtown, check out Greensleeves, of course. It's... Uh, where I always go for a beer and a bite to start my nights, like I said, or my days. Um, TJ's Pub, Trinity Pub, Bull and Barrel, Rob Roy. I like to go to those spots for a beer. The uh, Martini Bar, too. And hats off to Pete Quinton, actually, and company for bringing Gin Blossoms and uh, Matchbox 20, amongst others, here two weeks ago. And I'll get into that next time. I meant to talk about that. But thank you to Pete Quinton. Shout out. Um, yeah, and check out the Martini Bars. Uh, if you're on George Street as well, nice spot, good, good, good deck with uh, lots of sunshine, and uh, Merchant Tavern and Blue on Water. Uh, you know, you're gonna get a bite to eat. You can't go wrong with those spots. And Merchant Tavern has Crab Shack extension uh, on the patio just for just another couple of weeks. So if you're in St. John's and you want to uh, have some great seafood, check it out. Jeremy Charles's Crab Shack. True hockey, take what's yours. And North Atlantic zip lines, fly high. Was an absolute blast. Thanks to Robbie Carter and team. And uh, thanks for tuning in again. This has been episode 117A. We're getting up there, aren't we? Who knows who I'll have on tomorrow or the next day, but it'll be somebody interesting. Thanks for listening. Catch you all again soon.